Good evening, Mr. Calabrese. Hello there, Kevin, and welcome everybody to the Manhandle Podcast. This is episode number six, coming straight at you from Long Island, New York. Woo! Oh, does it sound like an airline, like a uh, little advertisement there? Hey, we're just trying to get those sponsor money. Oh, imagine getting like free airline miles. All right, JetBlue, if you're listening. <laughs> JetBlue, send them over. <laughs> we'll do podcasts from the flight whenever you want. Ooh, there we go. There you go. We'll start a new Mile High Club. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Let's uh, You know what I wanted to get into, actually? I was just reading about this uh, just to start it off. I mean, we're a young up-and-coming podcast. There's also another podcast that's just about to take shape, and it's hosted by none other than Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> you needed to give it that little little break, right? But um, uh, yeah, I wanted the listeners to think what's what, what's his reaction going to be. Boo. I mean, I, the Yankee fan, it's going to be a boo, and it's always going to be a boo. I don't care that he got, got the one World Series in 2009. I, I don't care. Sorry, A-Rod. I mean, I know we're a basketball podcast, but, man, when I saw this, I thought it would be super interesting. He's going to have, like – I mean, honestly, I never liked him to begin with, but, uh, you know, seeing him in the media now, like, has made me kind of, like, turn the corner on him. No, I, I mean, I'll give him that. Like, during the whole playoff run, he is re- he's really good at doing the post-game stuff. Yeah, he definitely has, like, the personality for it and, like, the way he just explains the game is actually – it's pretty interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to have guys like Francesa. He's going to have, like, Kobe on it. Like, I think it's only, like, six or seven episodes, and he's going to have a guest for each episode. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to listen for that hour ass kissing between him and Francesa. <laughs> Do you think he'll invite us on? I mean, I've been tweeting at him for a week and a half, so so let's see. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'll be uh, waiting for a while for that invite. Especially after I just booed him. <laughs> yeah, right? Just boo. Hey, Rod, come on. I want to come on. I mean, I thought that – I remember going to a game and it was the Mets and, uh, versus the Yankees at uh, – I think it was at Shea. And even, like, the Yankee fans are booing him. Like, the whole stadium was booing him, and I feel bad for the guy a little bit. So one of my favorite lines in a movie, and I just watched this movie the other day, and every time it cracks me up is in The Other Guys with uh, Will Ferrell and Wahlberg. Yeah. You couldn't shoot anyone? Oh, when they go through how he shot Jeter, and then you just hear the one guy go, you should have shot A-Rod. Yeah, <laughs> that's the line. That's the <laughs> line. <laughs> Always gets me. It's a great line, and you still feel bad for the guy. But I mean, he he brought along a lot of the stuff that you know was coming to him. But look at him now, man. He's dating J Lo. Just got a new apartment together. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling sorry for him. Yeah, yeah, me either. Me either. But yeah, I think uh, it's time to you know get back in the hoops now. Let's do it. So, as we approach the quarter mark of this NBA season, what do you say we run through the conferences a little bit? Yeah, I'd say we do a little shot clock. What do you think? Okay. So, uh, I think what we're trying to do with this uh, this episode is kind of run down 
conference to conference breakdown. I think we'll start off with uh, the Western Conference this episode, and uh, next episode, kind of go into the East. We'll, uh, you know, go through each team. I think we're going to give ourselves what, like three minutes. But uh, yeah. if we if we go over, it doesn't really matter. You guys are still going to have to listen to us. So <laughs> there's no buzzer or anything. But uh, yeah, so then we're going to give each team about three minutes. Just go through a few topics. And uh, I think we're going to start it off with uh, the worst team and then kind of make our way to uh, the first, the, actually the best team in the power rankings right now. Bottom up, I like it. Bottoms up, just how I like my bears. <laughs> All right, man, let's start off with Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns, man. Four yeah. and 19, killing it as usual. Yep. I mean, they have a couple of good young players, man, but this is a team that just, I feel like they miss more than they hit on their prospects. I mean, look at, uh, Bender, uh, Marquise, Chris, even uh, Josh Jackson, who uh, I mean, you haven't really seen that much out of him. I know he's still young, but they, they miss more than they hit on these young guys. That's very true. Now, I mean, Neil, and for the sake of all Suns fans, let's just hope they hit on Aiton. I mean, Aiton looks legit. Yeah. Um, and let's hope they have like uh, that one-two punch moving forward with Booker and and Aiton. You think Aiton's got like a little bit of like that Joel Embiid in him? As far as what? Just his overall game. Like I feel like he's. I mean, he's gonna have to slowly step out and like develop that outside game. True. Um, I, I think the big thing for him, and it's still his first year, but he's gonna have to learn how to play like an NBA defense. Yeah. Um, I mean, they got guys athletic, so you know he's going to be able to jump around. He's going to have his block shots and so on. But um, just learning the nuances of, of an NBA defense is, is, I think, and when he does that, it'll take him to that next level. Yeah, I mean, I think I, we've seen a lot from him already. I think he also gets, just like every young big, they always get into foul trouble. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just so hard for, like, these big guys to, like, not just foul someone because they are huge of course. And, like, they're going to get their hands on everybody, so it's tough. But I think overall for Phoenix, I just think that, like, they're a mess from, like, top down. Yeah. I think they just, like, fired their, like, GM or something like that. And it's just, like, ever since, uh, you know, that, that run-and-gun Suns team, they just haven't found, like, a stable, like, ground to sit on. But I do like what they're doing th- this year. They're trying to turn Booker into a Harden 2.0. I do like that too. I don't know if Booker's that type of guy though. But did anyone think Harden was that type was that guy? I guess not. I don't know. I mean, I remember Harden like he, when he was on the the Thunder, he was getting put in like those ISO and like, he was driving and kicking and like he was able to get into the paint a lot. I feel like Booker is more of that outside threat. Or true. Um but if if there's ever a year to see what you got in a guy do it in a lost year when you got nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, it's actually kind of funny because, like, they are so out of the Western Conference race. It, it, it's pretty unbelievable. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, they're as, – as much as we want the Knicks to get Zion, I think you're going to see him in a Suns uniform next year. Or Cleveland. Ugh. I think I'd rather go to Phoenix. Oh, true. But I'm just saying, Cleveland's dog shit. Yeah, they're both. They're, yeah, 
It's a good way, that's a good way to describe them. <laughs> but uh, one last thing on the Suns before we move on. I want to say watch them as the season unfolds for potential trades. Yeah, who do you think uh, who do you think's leaving there? Ariza. Yeah, I could see him going to like a contender, that's for sure. Why sign him to whatever didn't they give him like like twenty mil a year or something absurd like that? They might have just like tried to hit that cap floor, I guess. For one year. Well, I think they tried to compete this year. I thought they were gonna be better than I, I think they thought they were gonna be better than they actually were. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, well that that, that kind of fell off the rails pretty quick, huh? Oh yeah. So I, I could see Ariza getting traded. because um, like you said, him on a contender is a whole different story. For sure, for sure. All right, let's move it on to Salt Lake, the Utah I Jazz. I can't believe that they're this far on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, they're 11 and 13, so they're still in the race because all those teams are pretty jam-packed together. Yeah. But I thought that, the, I mean, we talked about it in a previous episode. I really thought that this team had, like, you know, top four at least in the, the Western Conference. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. The way the Jazz are playing this year is how I thought the Jazz were going to play last year. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You didn't I'm really see... Hayward. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Um, You didn't really see, like, Donovan Mitchell. He, he came out of nowhere, essentially, you know? Oh, oh yeah. So, I mean, he, he's kind of continuing that play this year. I mean, Rudy Gobert, you know, he's uh, – they're trying to rest him more, and I think they're still trying to figure out how to win when he's not on the floor. Yeah, I mean, the guy's the anchor to their whole defense. Yeah, and when he's not there, I mean, you have, you know, Derek Favors in there. It's kind of a big drop-off there. Now, the one thing I don't like that they went back to this year, and I mean, and it worked for, for them last year at points, so I understand why they did it, but – it's just going the opposite way is they start go bear in favors. Yeah. I don't understand that backcourt in 2018 NBA. Yeah. Yeah. To have two bigs like that, it's kind of tough. You're right. It I, I, and then you throw it at Donovan and be like, Hey, sophomore, go figure it out. You're like, you know, I think that's what kind of leads to all these, you know, long twos, desperation threes, late shot clock stuff, because you got nothing going on. No, I mean, I completely I, – I, I agree with you there. And they're shooting also, besides uh, Inglis. And I, I know they just got Corver, But they haven't really been shooting the ball how they were last year. So uh, that's definitely going to affect their play. Yeah, Rubio fell back to earth. Oh, big time, big time. All right, man. What do you say uh, we move on to the San Antonio Spurs? The Spurs. All right. I mean, they got rid of those the, – the Spurs. The Spurs that we all grew up with. You know, Tony Parker, Manu retired. You know, Timmy Duncan's not there anymore. And it's just it, – it's a weird team now. I wish that I could work the, my computer and find this a little faster than I could right now. But all I want to play right now is Undertaker's entrance music. <laughs> Why is that? Because you know what? Rest in 
<laughs> I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Spurs are done. They're done. I'm sorry. This has been 20 years in the making. You've won 50 games consistently for like two decades. I'm very proud of you, but it's over. You think Coach Pop comes back next year? Oof. See, there's been rumblings of him not coming. Like, he doesn't know how much longer he's going to do this. And, I mean, when you have a team like this, I can't imagine him hanging around. I don't know. No, I mean, I agree. But what, what really sucks is I think with Murray, they're a different team. Yeah, I think him being hurt so early um, definitely affected them. Yeah. They don't really have that, that good of a point guard play right now. Yeah, like you can't rely on Patty Mills as much as they are. I, I also don't think that Murray is a guy that's going to take them from where they are into like, you know, a playoff contender. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And it, it's weird because like I feel like the Spurs have made – like the reason they've been good for twenty years is because they've been able to like be ahead of the curve. Yeah. But lately, I mean, even with their free agent signings and trades and whatnot, like I feel like they're they're like mo- moving back. They just keep going backwards. They keep going for mid range guys. Mm-hmm. They don't I mean, have a team that could shoot threes. They, it doesn't make sense. It's a good point. I mean, Coach Pop has like made it known that he hates that threes are in the game. Like he does not like the three point shot. You can Which, tell you can tell about that from that roster. But like he was also one of the guys who started shooting corner threes as quickly as I mean he was one of the leaders in that. Yeah, I mean I think that it's just that they can't hang with those teams anymore. So now he's like kind of against that way of playing and you know it it might just be a sign that maybe it is time for him to kind of, you know, step away. Maybe go into the front office or something. Is this Pops, like, a get-off-my-lawn moment? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like him just being that old guy in the rocking chair yelling at Steph Curry shooting threes. Yeah. Like, That's just why three-pointers shouldn't be in the game, boy. <laughs> well, that's enough about San Antonio. If you know what? I've had enough of them, too. They've been around. They've been good for so long. Let's move on. All right. I'm cool with that. All right. Where are we taking this? We are moving on to the surprising, surprisingly resurgent Sacramento Kings. Sacktown. 500 this year, huh? Big time. I don't think they've been 500, like, this far into the season in a very long time. Honestly? Probably since one of my favorite basketball teams of all time. The Sacramento Queens? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a great roster. That really was. Dude, what – yo, up and down that roster was incredible. And they played just so well together. Oh, it was the best. Divock, Weber, Christie, Pager. Dude, and then off the bench, a young Hito Turkoglu. Yeah, man. And then you got, like, Bibby and you had Jay Will, like, those guys, you know. What a great team. But, I mean, you know, this team, honestly, I, I really like the, 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 the youth on the roster. The youths. I mean, you got DeAndre Fox. De, I'm sorry, De'Aaron Fox. You know, Bagley, Harry Giles. A couple of Duke guys right there. Uh, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein. And then my guy, Buddy Heald. 
Your guy, Buddy Heald. So, so you're, you're pro Buddy. Pro Buddy. Can I, can I cut this off really quick and a uh, quick story? Yeah. Dude, so, you know, we took a trip to the Bahamas this past summer, right? Yes, we did. And I remember sitting at this, this nice bar. I forgot what the name of it. Do you remember that bar that we went to? Which one? The shithole across the street? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that bar? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say it was like a guy's name, I feel, feel yeah, like. Yeah, I completely forgot the name. But whatever, we're sitting in there, and we're talking sports with one of the, one of the locals. And this guy keeps saying, buddy, buddy, buddy. And I'm just like, who the hell is this guy? Is he talking about me? Like, who is he talking about? And finally, he's like, oh, yeah, buddy, he's going to be so good in Sacramento this year. I was like, oh, he's talking about buddy. I completely forgot. The dude's like the mayor of the Bahamas. Yeah, I did not make that connection at, at all. When, like when we, when, like when, I don't know, walking yeah. around, we should have, yeah. Should have taken that into account a little bit more, but uh, – Dude, if, he, if a Sacramento keeps playing like this and he keeps playing the way that they are, I mean, any time he goes back to the Bahamas, he's going to have as many Bahama Mamas as he can handle. And I am not talking about the alcoholic drink. Oh, man. But dude, oh, what a night. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, dude, I, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Fox, man? Because I think this dude's legit. I think he took that step. I think he took the next step this year, and I think the key to it is them letting him play how he's supposed to play. Agreed. Run the offense. Last year they played a very slow half-court game. This year they're just letting them run and figure it out on the fly, and it's working. Yeah, man, just give him the ball and let him fly. And uh, he kind of reminds me of, like, Russell Westbrook when Russell Westbrook first – came into the league, you know, everyone was like, oh, this, like, kind of, like, athletic dude, you know, he's, you know, lengthy, good on defense, can play point, and, like, his game is just evolving in, like, a rapid pace. I could see that. I mean, I wonder if he ever reaches – I feel like Westbrook grew. Like, he put on, like, muscle and mass. Yeah, he's a big boy now. But – um. You never know. I mean, these speedster point guards, once they figure out that change of pace and they're able to kind of control the game themselves, it's a whole different game. Yep. Now, my, my thing with the Kings is their loaded front court. Oh, big time, man. And all athletic guys, too. Loaded front court and the just typical Sacramento Kings rumblings from the front office and management and all this other stuff that seems to plague this franchise every single year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... A couple weeks ago. Did you hear the report? No. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, they were saying that that the front office is upset with how Dave Yeager manages the minutes of their young bigs. But you got to, though. But, well, what they're saying is he starts Willie Coley-Stein... And and uh, Belenka and Bogdanovich and like guys who have been in the league a couple years instead of Bagley, Giles, dudes like that. I, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, like those are two guys, and they're they're still getting their minutes. They See, might that's not. That's what I don't understand. They're still getting minutes, and I don't think they have a place in the front court, like in today's game. You don't. At least as a as a like a starter and someone who's going to finish the game, how are you going? Where are you going to play Bagley? 
You could play him at the three or four. He has an outside game. I mean, he just has to develop it more. Yeah, but then – all right, so he's your four. Who, who's your five? Cauley Stein. That's t- tough, though. They both m- m- make their living around the hoop. I can, well, Cauley Stein is like – he reminds me of like uh, DeAndre Jordan type center. Yeah. And I mean, every team needs that. And I mean, like, it's not like Bagley's like this slow-footed guy that like can't play, you know, defense. I mean, why not have two bigs, you know, down low if they can defend all these positions? It's true. I um, I don't know. I just like Belinka. I like Bogdanovich. I like that they can spread the floor and shoot. I like how Giles can shoot, pass. He could. You could run the offense through him. Yeah. I feel like there's a couple guys that I would play over Bagley, and you just took him second overall. Oof. I mean, I think you're not giving him enough credit. But, yeah, exactly. And you did play him second – you did draft him second overall. So that means you do have to get him his minutes. You know, yeah. like – Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have, to have all these players that can, you know, start or come off the bench – so, I mean, it's something they'll have to figure out, but they got a young, good nucleus. And, you know, I'm kind of excited to see, like, where they go with it. It was funny. I actually – I was watching the Kings the other night, and uh, <clears throat> I forgot they drafted him, but, I, but I'm watching the game. I'm like, who, like, who is that dude? J- Jackson. Oh, your boy. Justin Jackson from UNC. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about him. Another young guy, I mean, he, he doesn't really do much for me because I just feel like he's just like this slow-footed dude that, like, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't he, do anything for me. typical four-year UNC player. Exactly. Like, yeah, he, he's good for moral support. He's <laughs> really good at high fives. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good 12th guy on the bench. <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's, let's move on to Minnesota. And we, we do talk about this team a lot because of the Jimmy Butler trade. But, you know, since that trade, since putting Covington and Saric into the lineup, they've act. I mean, it seems like Thibodeau was kind of rubbing off on this team uh, where they're actually ranked second in the league in team, team defense since that trade. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, stat, stat. Interesting. So, I mean, yeah, you could definitely see that, you know, maybe Thibodeau is kind of taking more of the reins, maybe Butler had more of an effect on the team than, you know, we previously thought. But just what, just a quick point here. Andrew Wiggins, I mean, this guy was supposed to be, like, a superstar, you know, coming out of Kentucky, being drafted. Like, everybody thought this, you know, he was the next one. And, I mean, he's barely averaging 15 points a game. I feel like he's really regressing. What's the matter? You don't like Maple Jordan? <laughs> no, definitely not. Dude, that is one of the best nicknames of all time. And I remember him coming out of Canada. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, Canada's basketball is much better than USA's basketball. Look at this. Look at you guys now. Yeah, Wiggins, a- Anthony Bennett. Anyone else? Yeah, oh, Anthony Bennett. Jesus. Is he, he's definitely, like, not in the league anymore, right? No, I actually I saw a highlight of him on the G League. I think he had, like, nine threes the other night. Nine threes? Wow. Yeah. Maybe the Knicks will sign him. Sweet Jesus. But, yeah, man, I think, honestly, I think he he's a player that needs a change of scenery. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he really fits well under that Thibodeau, like, yelling up your ass all the, the whole time, you know? 
I agree. All right, where are we going now? Wait, hold on, hold on. Don't rush me off the tip. Oh, okay. I thought we were I thought we were gonna hit the shot clock. All right. No, keep no, going. no, no. Keep it going. I got the offensive rebound. All right. Shooting it up. So I'm gonna read you some stats and I and I want you to tell me just like who do you think this person is? Through twenty one games, this is just this year. Well, I got well this stats a little old, but all right, whatever. Not nineteen point three points per game. 29 and a half minutes per game. The shooting splits of 51. Uh, hold on. 51, 49, and 86. And a 20.9 per. Jeff T. Derek Rose. Wow. D Rose, he's back. He's, Dude, he's, he's shooting back. sixth in the league in three-point percentage. 49%, 86 from the line. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, I'm happy for him. I really am. Like, the dude, he's obviously worked on his game more and more. I mean, if he's hitting threes now, like, that was one of his bugaboos, you know, and, like, he's obviously had to change his game, and he's done that. At a record rate this Good. year. Unbelievable. Good for him. Him and Thibodeau deserve each other. It's now. I'm calling it now. I think he's winning six man of the year. If he keeps this up, he's winning six man of the year and most improved player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could definitely see that. Uh, you know, I do have another six man candidate in our, for our next team, but, okay. but yeah, I, I, I could see that too. Cause I mean, and plus everyone loves a good storyline. Oh, of course. Derek Rose, MVP, knee surgeries coming back. But it's pretty unprecedented. I, I can't think of anyone else who had the career that this dude has had. He came into the league on fire, yeah. wins the MVP, the youngest MVP in league history, gets injured, continues playing, and it's like leg- he's legitimately not good. They, they were talking about like him like just hanging out up too. Yeah, like he wasn't a good basketball player. It wasn't because he was hurt and all that. He just wasn't good. He was horrendous on the Knicks. And then now he's shooting 49% from three. He had a 50-point game this year, right? Unbelievable. Good for him, man. It shows to the kids out there, hard work, hard work. <laughs> put it in. Put your helmet on. <laughs> That's funny. All, All right. right. Moving on. Who we got? We got the, uh, we got the Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans, 500. I mean, and, and here's, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get into Anthony Davis because he's just a beast. But uh, my sixth man would be Julius Randle. I think a very, like, Ooh. underrated signing. The yeah. dude's tearing it up for them. I think he's averaging, like, 19 a game coming off the bench. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they – I think they're one of the only teams that has four players that are averaging 18 points a game with Julius Randle, uh, Miritich, uh, Holiday, and Anthony Davis. Um, I really like Randle. I like his game. I think he's your perfect, like, first off the bench big. For sure. He, I think he's just a perfect, like, four in the league right now. Well, I mean, it helps because he plays against a he plays with a five, or he could play with a five that stretches the floor. Yeah, 
he's not really no, known to chuck threes and really make defenses like hold him accountable, you know? Yeah. But as far as coming in versus any other backup big in the league, he could beat him off the dribble. He's going to out-rebound you, and he's going to out-hustle you. And that's what you need, man. Uh, and uh, honestly, I'm not sure why the Lakers, like, we're so, like, adamant on not, like, sign or at least trying to get this guy back because I'm pretty sure the Pelicans signed him for a pretty low number, too. Yeah, it wasn't outrageous. It was weird. I feel like, yeah, like you said, they were just very anti, and they could really use, like, a backup big who could run the floor and dunk and create offense and do things like that. For sure. And, like, the team's not – I mean, like we said before, four players averaging 18 points a game. You have Anthony Davis, who's like an MVP candidate every year. I mean, he's averaging 28, uh, 13 rebounds, five assists, and three blocks a game. I mean, you would think that this team would be a little bit better than 12 and 12. Which is going to lead me to my point. Okay. Are they going to trade Anthony Davis this year? I think you got to start thinking about it because I don't think he's going to sign back there. You just said it yourself. They have four players averaging over 18 points a game. And yeah. I, you look at their, their, their most up-to-date record right now. They're 12 and 13, 12th place in the West. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Going off of that, then, yeah, I do think they're going to trade. <laughs> because let's be real. I mean – the whole name of the game here is you got to get as as much of equal value as you can. For sure. And you never do in NBA trades. So instead of trading this dude in the offseason or sometime next year when he's when that is his contract year, you could trade him this season, get more assets because the team would have a year and a half with Anthony Davis to try and persuade him or do whatever they have to do, and you might be able to get more f- from him. Dude, I completely agree. Um, I think, you know, it kind of sucks for, like, like the smaller market teams where you have, like, a great player like this, but you just can't, like, bring in that second or third star where you're just going to be going through this transition, like, every few years where you have a great player, you trade them, you get some assets, then you suck, and then you draft another great player, and it's just like, it's just like a constant loop that you're going through. I agree, but you can't put the blame on anyone other than Del Demps. He has made some bonehead s- signings. Like who? Omer Asik for like fucking $100 million. Yeah, that was pretty Idiotic. fucking bad. Yeah. Um, there's been several times where he tied up their cap space for, for just like like silly things. Like why, do you, why do you sign Asik when you have Anthony Davis on your team? But that was, I mean, it was a couple years ago, but I mean, still, what are you doing? Yeah. Who cares if it was a couple years ago? Like, Anthony Davis was drafted to be your big, you know? True. You don't tie up that much money into, oh my, uh, is, he, is he even in the league still? I mean, honestly, I'm not sure. That, that'd be funny if he's still on their bench. <laughs> or he's like, we just missed it. He's averaging 20 and 20. <laughs> Um, hold on. Ooh, he's 32 years old. There you go, old man. <laughs> Is he still playing? In, no, he played four games last year for Chicago. He was on the Pelicans last year, though. Wow. Fucking loser. Still getting paid. What a loser. All right, you got anything else for the Pelicans? 
Uh, I just, I know it's going to be bad for the franchise. I know they're not going to like it. Any Pelicans fans out there, I'm sorry. But trade Anthony Davis as soon as you can. Who do you think would be the most likely team that would land him? See, this is what's going to suck. But I could see it. it's got to be a team that, that's just stockpiling assets, like the Celtics or one of those teams. Yeah, I, I do think the it's going to be the Celtics. And I, I think they're going to really try to push to trade uh, Hayward. I could see Horford, too. I could see Horford being included in that. But they're going to have to include Brown or Tatum, if not both. And then they're probably going to want a Marcus Smart or a Rozier or, like, Don't they're going to just trade the farm. Jeez, dude. Like, I would not even do that. If you just, you just told me that if they had to include Tatum and Brown, like, the, I'm, I'm starting with a no. Like, that's not going to happen. Of course. But, I mean, if you're Dell Dems, you got to aim high. Got to aim high, but you got to think realistically. I think, I think the deal would most likely be, like, a Jalen Brown, uh, Terry Rozier. You know, it, it's an expiring contract, but maybe you kind of force them to, to sign him. And uh, maybe, like, a Hayward – or a Horford, something that they even out the, the books there as well as some picks. Yeah, and if I'm them, I need that Kings pick this year. Yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because isn't that – oh, actually, no, the Kings aren't that bad this year. I mean, um, I don't know. But I'm going to need – because I'm pretty sure – don't they either have – I think it's like the Kings or the Grizzlies or they have like another like lottery pick. They have like everybody's lottery pick. I, I D- Danny Ainge is just – hustled every team in the league to like just get all of the picks that they can. Yeah. All right, what do you say we move on to your Dallas Mavericks? That's right, boy. The Dirk Nowitzkis. That's right. Yeah, I just want to start off this before we get into it because it's all about Luka Mania now, right? Oh, Luka Mania. Let's take a listen to his clutch three last night. Smith driving it on Lillard. Lillard's got five fouls. Smith slipped. He found Luca. Luca late clock. He wants it. Step back, and that's why, baby. You gotta love throwing both of your hands up in the air, hitting a step back three to ice the game. And then I don't know if you know, but the next play was a um, was a tip that he recovered and threw like a football pass the length of the court to Dennis Smith Jr. for a dunk. I saw that. Yeah, dude, they're, they're fun to watch, man. They're fun to watch, and I'm kind of happy for them too. Oh, yeah. Luca's a stud, man. A stud. Did you see on the ringer, I think it was last week, that they took the Rufus Wainwright song, Hallelujah, <laughs> and they made Hallelujah. Oh, no way. It was hysterical. Dude, again, I'm going to say this, the Atlanta Hawks completely fucked up that trade because they could have had Luka and they swapped him for Trey Young. How about this? How about the Suns? How about the Kings? Yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right, man. I think the Suns would benefit so much from a guy like Luka on that team, someone that could handle the ball. He's a big guy. He can shoot. He can do everything, to be honest with you. Yeah. He rebounds. I think he's averaging like 18 points around like five rebounds and like six assists a game. And he's like 18, which is nuts. Yeah. You don't so, really. Uh, 
I have just because we're on the topic of Luca, and I, we actually never really did one of these on, on the pod. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm doing a little fantasy update here on the pod. Okay. Um, I am currently in a fantasy basketball league. Okay. I forgot about the draft. Oh I boy! Knew when it was, just forgot, and auto and they auto drafted my my team, and it's fucking garbage. But my two keepers for the past couple of years have been Westbrook and Jokic. Oh, dude, that's not a bad start. Yeah, but everyone else is, is dog shit. Okay. I'm thinking about trying to offer Westbrook for Luca and see what, what the dude says. Would you do that trade? Probably not. I mean, Westbrook's still going to get you, like, over 25 points, like, close to a triple-double. Oh, no, I know, but this is also one of those leagues that um, it's one of those, like, keeper leagues where, like, the keeper counts as where you drafted him, and if you're keeper, it counts as more, and la, la, la. So if I could flip him for that, that means I get Luka at, like, the end of the draft for the future. Now, could you do, like, Luka, like, could you do Westbrook for Luka, like, and, like, some draft picks? Because I think that's what would maybe help you out. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm I would de- definitely shoot for. I mean, I'm giving up Westbrook, so I mean, I'll shoot for Luca and a pick. Hell yeah, I just don't know if the guy would do it. It's Tots, you know, Tots. Oh, boy. Every player on his on his team is incredible. Yeah, uh, I mean that that's tough. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he'd go for it, but it, it's definitely worth a, a shot. Yeah, I'm gonna make that offer because. A, a foundation of Luca and Jokic moving forward. Woo! So, um, so you're liking the Euros, huh? A big time. Let's uh, let's let's stick with the Mavs for a second here. Yeah. And what about DeAndre Jordan completely turning around his foul shot shooting? But is he turning around any other aspect of his game? Like what? I feel like he's regressed a lot. I feel like he's still a defensive stopper, and I think that's what he's you know, in the league for, you know? True. But now that you can't really play, you know, hack a DeAndre, and that, that, that's really benefited this t- a young team. I mean, they still have veterans like Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews who are playing well. But, you know, having the core, a young core of Luka and Dennis Smith Jr. really helps them. Oh, yeah. And, and you're definitely right about that hack a DeAndre thing with like, that it, it kills the momentum of a game. It kills the psyche of a player. Yeah. It just, it, it's not fun all around. And the fact you can't do that anymore is, is a pretty wild improvement. For sure. It, it, it's kind of funny how, like, one player like Luca can accelerate that rebuild process, you know? Now, if you're, if you're the Death Dallas Mavericks, you traded your pick to Atlanta this year, so you have no incentive to be bad. Yeah. Um, do you think they make a trade? I mean, yeah. I mean, they're in this hunt here. You know, it's such like a tightly packed playoff race that I could definitely see them trying to swing, you know, something, maybe bringing in maybe another, like, you know, like a stretch four, someone like that, someone that can, you know, stretch the four more for them. But – it, it's tough to say where they want to go with this. I, I just see two guys that clearly don't fit their timeline that they're kind of paying big money to. 
Is that Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're both playing well, and I think that you could probably get stuff for them. I I guess you're looking for, like, younger assets, but I don't know what teams are really going to look to to try to, you know, bring those players on. I know. That's the hard thing. You can't really find, like, a good fit. I mean, I feel like more like Barnes, more so Barnes than Matthews as far as a potential fit somewhere. Barnes has the championship pedigree, and I feel like he could be a solid third guy on a good team. Yeah, I I do agree with you on that. But I also, you know, thinking of teams that can match that salary plus give Dallas something that they want. I think that'd be tough to, to figure out. I agree. Or why don't you just trade Harrison Barnes for Andrew Wiggins? Uh-huh. That's an interesting swap. Just pop that one up right into my head. I should be a GM. That's an, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not doing that if I'm the Mavs. You're not doing that? If, you're not trading Harrison Barnes for Andrew Wiggins? I guess Andrew, the, are they, their contracts, I would think, are fairly similar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's actually a pretty good trade, but I, I, I don't – I see the Wolves benefiting from that more than, than the Mavericks. Well, it depends on what kind of player Andrew Wiggins comes back – like what Andrew Wiggins comes to Dallas. If he's that 20-point, you know, a game scorer, then, you know, it evens out. But if he's playing the way he is right now, which, like I said, I think he would benefit from a change of scenery, I mean, you never know. Yeah. All right, enough about the Dallas Mavericks. Jesus, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. Well, wait, so hold on. I'm looking I, I'm looking over some stuff, and I, I think we kind of skipped a team here. Who did we skip? Houston? Oh, Houston's up next, buddy boy. Jeez. Ah, Way to not- jump the gun. They did that on purpose. Did, oh, did you? <laughs> did you mean that everybody forgot about Houston? Ooh, look at that storyline flip. I like it. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I agree. I think – I mean, they're not playing great right now. They do have some great players on this team. But, man, I think D'Antoni's job is on the line. I think a couple more losses and you're going to hear rumblings from Houston. I think even more so than D'Antoni, it's got to be Maury. Yeah, I agree with you on that, too. I mean, not, I really think he's a good G, like GM, and I like what he's built, but I mean, you were, you were literally, what, a quarter away from beating the Warriors and making it to the finals? Yeah. And you decide to, like, not pay Ariza and um, – um, what's his name? Um, shit, I can't remember his name. Who are you um, talking about? But they're four. He played sometimes stretch five for them. It's got a weird name. Mabah Mute. Oh, okay, okay. Um, they, they let both of those dudes walk, and you bring in fucking mellow Marquis, yeah. Michael Carter, Will Williams. These dudes are stuck on the bench. Yeah. I, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird mix of players for sure. I do think that, you know, with Eric Gordon kind of being sidelined and Harden and – Chris Paul not being able to play at the same time. I think that's really affecting their team. Yeah. But, and I don't really blame Daryl Morey either because he did actually try to get Jimmy Butler, and there were rumblings that, you know, that trade was almost about to go down. But, I mean, 
I just really think that they need a new voice there. Like uh, D'Antoni, like I think I feel like he just warm wears out his welcome way too quickly with these teams. Really? So you're already trying to get rid of him? You just told me that they were one game away from going to the finals, and now they're 500. No, I I agree, but I mean, it's how pretty much, much the same on? roster. I mean, besides some role players that are going, but. I think the big difference between the Rockets and another team as far as their role players and team construction is that with the Rockets, they played such a specific like system. Mm-hmm. Everyone had like specific jobs they had to do and just do that one or two jobs well and then the team like, succeeds. Yeah. And – Compared to another team that may, maybe will throw the ball around and the role players aren't that integral. Meanwhile, the Rockets, their whole gameplay is, all right, it's Paul or Harden. We're, we're going to dribble around for a while, and then if you're open, I chuck it. But if I mean, you're yeah, guys who could chuck it, like, what do you expect them to do? I agree. I, I do agree, but aren't – I mean – coaches are supposed to kind of adapt to the players that they have. And that's and, never been D'Antoni's thing. Yeah. Well, and that's why I feel like he wears that as welcome a little too quickly with these teams. Now I brought this up before in our first team, but I think the, uh, keep an eye on a potential trade. I could see a reuniting with, uh, Houston Rockets and Trevor Ariza. I think it's a player that they d- definitely do miss. I also just remember watching him play in that series against Golden State. And be like, dude, this guy's like huffing and puffing down the court. Like, they definitely needed to get younger. And I think that's why they brought in some of those pieces that you mentioned before. Yeah. I don't know if Ariz is the right guy to bring in here right now. Ooh, all right. Is there anyone that you could think of offhand that you would bring in? Not offhand, but, you know, I guess the mold of a younger player. You know, just a knockdown three and D guy, but I someone think, that that can keep up with Golden State. I'd like to see. I don't know if he fits exactly this mold, but I like to see a Kent Bazemore on the Rockets. Okay, I like that actually. You know, he's. I mean, I don't know how old he is now. Maybe twenty six, something like that. Twenty seven, but um, I feel like he is a wing who who could play D. He, he's athletic. He could run the floor. I feel like he could do some things for them. And Atlanta is, has the incentive to move those type of guys, so I could definitely see that kind oh, yeah. of happening. I wonder what they're holding on for, though. They, they probably want to pick or something. Definitely, and I feel like Houston's got to be like right at that cap line, where they really can't be taking that much cap without giving th- you know giving up something substantial. But at the same time, when you give Chris Paul almost forty million dollars a year, I feel like you threw the cap out the window. No, I do get that, but I'm just saying like, just to work out a trade that would bring in oh, someone, you know, worthy, gotcha. it would would take some work for sure. True. You done with the Rockets? I'm kind of done with the Rockets. All right, what do you say we kick it all the way out west to the Portland Trailblazers? Let's do it. I mean, dude, they got the one and two, you know, with Lilliard and C.J. McCollum. Do you think that they're the best point guard, shooting guard tandem in, in the league? No. 
Wow, that was pretty. Okay, who do you got? Stephen Clay. That, I mean, that's easy. Yeah, my bad. I completely forgot about them, even though <laughs> – I mean – The reigning, like, three-time NBA champs. <laughs> I mean, points per game-wise, I think Lillard and CJ this year are averaging more. I agree. Do you know – I'm sorry, but what killed me with them was them getting their asses whooped. I, Drew Holiday and fucking Rajon Rondo. Dude, they weren't – like – it wasn't even – like, they couldn't do anything. Like, it was kind of embarrassing. Just straight up beat them. Rondo was working them all series in the playoffs last year. Yeah, so I don't know. That really changed my attitude with Portland. Um, well, with, with DJ – I mean, with uh, Lillard and Emma McCollum especially. I think for in order for that team to take, like, a next next step would be to uh, trade one of them, to be honest with you. Ooh. Because, I mean, you can see it's just not going to work. I mean, getting Nurkic there gives them that big man down low, which they kind of were desperate for since uh, Aldridge left. But, like, the rest of that roster is just, like, just a bunch of, like, just no-name role players. Like, yeah, they'll do their job, but, like, there's really no other threat besides them. Yeah. So, I mean, they're 13-10 and now. You know, Terry Stotts. I always respected him as a coach because he keeps that ball moving and, like, he, you know, they know how to play offense. Yeah. But, but as you saw in the playoffs last year, you know, a good defense breaks that pretty easily. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I don't really know what the next step is for them because, like, they're, they're like, they double down on this roster again. And, yeah. I mean, Nur- Nurkic is a good big, like, I guess. I mean, you can't like you can't play him versus any like quick five. Anthony Davis like torched him last year. Oh yeah, that was it was bad. But so like, do you have any big who's going to run around? They're going to run right by him. I agree. Um, like I say, uh, I, I love Damian Lillard. I love his game. I really think that I would rather trade CJ. Okay. But it, it's, I'm not really even sure what you could really get back for him that would make this team better, you know? That's the issue, is you got to get something back that would really, like, knock your socks off. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'd always, like, look to Boston to kind of make a move. Yeah. And, like, maybe offering him I – don't, I don't think Boston needs him, though. Like, they definitely don't need him. But, like, that's a team that – in the that's the mold of a team that I would like look to trade him. Teams that have young, good, you know, cheap assets. Yeah. Like controlled too. So like t- players that have years on their contracts too. Cause I feel like besides Damian Lillard, I think anyone that's gone there has kind of like wanted to leave like pretty, uh, pretty immediately. Yeah. They don't really, they're not really known as a top free agent spot. Yeah. They, yeah. No, I agree. They don't really like, they don't really keep a lot of their players. A lot of people, they're not really a free agent uh, destination of choosing. That's for sure. But after we just kind of trash their whole roster, one guy I do like and I want everyone to kind of keep their eyes on is Zach Collins. Yeah, I do like him as well. I really like Zach Collins, and I feel like he is – this may sound a little overzealous, but he's the key – to them taking a step forward. I agree. I remember watching him play for Gonzaga and being like, who is this dude? Like, he's just grabbing rebounds, hitting outside shots. Yeah, uh, he just does a little bit of everything. 
Yeah, and I feel like you're right. You're absolutely right. If he take if he takes that next step, so does this team. I mean, just to re- read off some stats. So he's averaging eight points a year right now. This is up to now. So 24 games in, eight points per game. He's shooting 87% from the free throw line, 60% from two points, and 34% from three. It's not bad. If he gets that three-point number up a little higher, I mean, that's the difference between you know, going into like, you know, how many rebounds is he averaging? He's averaging four rebounds a game. Well, he's got to get that up a little bit, but I'm sure he's not, you know, if he's only averaging nine points, I'm sure he's not even getting like that, that many minutes. Getting 18 minutes a game. Yeah. He's got that. That's got to go up for them to take that next step for sure. But like what's tough is he is, I think he's your, your five in today's NBA. Yeah. But there are the teams that still have the big bruiser center. And that's so you, you need a dude like Nurkic. Yeah. Where I feel like Nurkic is a guy who starts, and if teams start running him off the floor or it's one of those, like, they're playing Giannis at the five, like, you got to get him off the court. Yeah, yeah, there's no way he should be there. And I think that's – And that's he, where Collins comes in. Yeah, and I think that's – you're right about why I feel like they were getting worked in the playoffs – was that like Anthony Davis was just blowing past this guy? I mean, Nurkic did show you what he could do offensively. Like he's a bruiser; he'd yeah. get down low and get you buckets. But defensively, you're gonna need a guy that's a little quicker than him, especially oh, yeah. in today's NBA. Yeah. You got anything else on Portland, or should we move on? I'm done with Portland. Yeah, I think everybody's done with Portland. All right, moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies. Another team that I am. Done with. Uh, same team every year. I don't get it. Oh, God. Like, Conley and Gasol. Like, we get it. it, it slow ball. You're going to bring up the – you're going to walk it up court. going to wait for Gasol to get down low. Like, yeah, we get it. We, we know what you're going to do. Cannot believe they're 13-9 and nine in sixth place in the West right now. Cannot it's, believe it. It's nuts. It's nuts. But, I mean, one piece that they do have is uh, Jerron Jackson. Yes. Who they drafted this year. I think he was fourth overall Yeah, uh, coming out of Michigan. Michigan State, I believe. Um, dude's a stud. He just came off a 36-point night. Um, he's athletic. He could pretty much do anything on the court. And I feel like him falling to them at four was a blessing for them because they, they, they need a, a, like a really good young player because – I'm, I don't even know how their fans even handle, you know, having to watch Mike Conley and, you know, the Gasols of the world as well as, you know, I remember when Tony Allen was up. They just had like such an old team. Hey, don't forget about Chandler Parsons. Is he still on the team? I think so. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it's that same team over and over again. Give them credit because they do win games. Um you know, besides, you know, last year was a rough year for them, but it helped them get uh, Jerron Jackson. No, yeah, and obviously things like that make it all worth it. As we talk about teams that just are stuck in that, that you know, that mediocrity where they can't ever get a guy to, like, make a difference, this was a big move for them. Um, I just i am curious. I mean, I guess we've been saying it every year, but I'm curious how they move forward. Well, one step that they could do – is sign Joakim Noah to a contract. <laughs> they must have saw his video of him boxing in the gym and were like, yeah, we're going to bring this guy in right now. 
I think they saw the jungle video. No, or that. You're right. <laughs> Remember the jungle video? Wh which one was that? He was like in the rainforest or something with like his hair was all down and he just like looked disheveled and was like, ah! <laughs> and honestly, when you look at him, you wouldn't expect anything less. Unbelievable. But yeah, so they signed Joakim Noah for some strange reason. I mean, you would think they would want to get more athletic and younger, but no, we're just going to get older and slow footed. I hear they're trying to trade for Zebo. They want Zebo back. Yeah, bring him back. Wow. I made that up. <laughs> I, I will give you this. He's one of my favorite players to play. Who? Zebo. Really? Loved him. Just because, like, in, in a new school game, he was still the guy you get down low and he'll just work you. He'll throw you on the ground and, and kind of just not even dunk it because I don't even think he could get up there to dunk anymore. Yeah. But just, like, that little, like, jump push in. Dude, he used to bitch out Blake Griffin on the regular. Oh, all the time. Um... Also, former Nick. I don't know if you remember those days. Oh, yeah. He was part of that. Like, I think he was part of that Eddie Curry team. Oof. He was. Jamal Crawford, all, all those guys. I think it was Steve Francis, Marbury. Yeah. Like, everybody was on that team. Penny, Penny Hardaway. Amazing we didn't win a chip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, I mean, they, honestly, when I watch their games, they seem to have a good crowd. I just don't understand how they have so many people going to watch this same team over and over again. I think it helps that there's no other pro franchise in Memphis. Yeah, agreed. So there's like, what the hell else are we watching? But um, I just don't know how this translates. Like, defense wins championships. The game always slows down in the playoffs. I get it. But – when every other team is running up and down the court shooting threes and you're trading threes for layups, I just – I don't know how you're going to win a playoff basketball. Yeah, and I think that their key has always been like, hey, let's slow down the tempo. You so can't I'll, really dictate pace. It's hard. I think they do a good job of that. I think you, you, you're seeing that with their record of 13-9. and nine, No, you're they, right about that. That they do do a good job of slowing down the pace and like – yeah, the other team is going to shoot up threes, but maybe like giving them less opportunities to shoot those threes, which is what they, I guess, their game plan is. But yeah, but you're right too. I mean, it's just a slow tempo. It's ugly to watch. It's not fun. I remember watching the Knicks play them, and I was just like, "This game sucks." Yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, they do have that glimmer of hope in Jackson. But yeah, let's see how it unfolds. I, I mean, I'd like to see him like make it in, maybe like an eight seed. Yeah, see how they do it uh, against either like the Clippers or the Warriors. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it being sustainable. No, and I think they're going to come to a point pretty soon with uh, kind of trying to rebuild this team a little bit. You would think, but we'll see. Yeah. Will you say we kick it to La La Land? Oh, yeah. The Lake Show. 14-9, and nine, kind of turning it around. I like it. I definitely think that uh, Tyson Chandler has kind of had a, a big impact on that. And it really goes to show you what happens when you sit on the bench for two years in Phoenix. <laughs> you just get rejuvenated. You bring it back to 2011. Exactly. Oh, the tip-out king, Tyson Chandler. Dude, he's playing like a beast. He is, man. And, and it's really helped their defensive uh, efficiency. Yeah. So, I mean, 
And when you have a guy like that back there that, that just hustles and plays defense and, and can alter shots the way he does, it kind of makes the, the players around him, uh, especially with LeBron too. Like LeBron stresses defense too, and he's going to get in your face if you're not playing it the right way. So I think they're kind of turning the corner on, uh, you know, defense, which is important. Is it sustainable though? That's my big thing with them. Is the way they're playing now. The reason they went on a run, let's be real. The reason they went on a run is because they're doing what Cleveland did. They're running everything through LeBron. Which, when you have LeBron, that's obviously the best thing to do. But all you heard this offseason was Magic saying how we're not going to do what Cleveland did, putting him on a team of playmakers so he doesn't have to run him into the ground in a regular season. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Exactly what they're doing currently. But – I mean, to answer your question, do I think it's sustainable? I'm like, yeah, I kind of do because LeBron has showed you that he can keep doing this. Can't beat Father Time. Uh, I think LeBron's kind of proved that wrong for right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's logging those minutes. He's just grinding. He seems to never get hurt. He's always out there. I mean, when you got a guy like that, I guess it kind of shows players around you. Like, it gives them a you know a leader, someone that they can lean on, and someone that can like that leads by example, and that's what he does. Yeah, but, I, uh, this is a weird r- roster, and all these young dudes that were supposed to be who's the next like the star who's going to em- emerge next to LeBron, and I I feel like their second best player is is Javale McGee. Yeah, I think we mentioned this before that they still don't have a guy that, I mean, Kuzma's nice. He's a nice player. Uh, Brendan Ingram, you know, he's still young. You know, he's a nice player too. But you know, you got to think that this off season is when they're going to go after that that second, you know, that kind of sidekick for LeBron. If a star becomes available, I can see them trading some of these young dudes for a star this year. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think we mentioned that before too. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to come from. Maybe a team like Washington, someone like that. But Kemba, maybe do they do they make that deal? Do they trade for Kemba? The contract here. I mean, if he walks, you get nothing for him. I mean, yeah, that it's tough. It's tough. I mean, they can go a few different routes. I just don't think that they're going to sacrifice that cap until uh, they see what happens with Durant this offseason. Now, speaking of that, I wasn't going to bring that up, but did you hear Durant's comments that he made today? No. So he must have been asked about playing in L.A. or what it's like playing next to LeBron or things like that. And he said, he came right out and he said, I could understand why there are players or top players that don't want to play next to LeBron. Wow. LeBron brings a circus. He's like, it's not LeBron's fault, but all you media guys are in love with LeBron and you're obsessed with him. So where everything becomes a storyline when it's not. It's Guys come to play basketball and they can't play basketball because you're asking them every single question about LeBron and what he did and how he did it, where he did it, who he did it with. And it's there's a lot that comes with playing LeBron that guys aren't interested in anymore. And he came flat out and said it, and it was like, whoa. Okay, someone doesn't want to play with LeBron. 
Or is his is this just him blowing smoke up everyone's ass and he's joining LA in a couple months? Who knows? Who knows? It's it's the NBA. Anything can happen. Anything is possible. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought the comments were were interesting. I agree. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, it's I really hate that these things come up in the middle of a season. Like we're not we're like what a quarter. In as we're doing our quarterly report here for the NBA, and we're already talking about like the offseason, like the season's not even done. You never know what can happen. The yeah. NBA is always wild at the trade deadline, so yep, there's always different things that could happen. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let me say we kick it to Denver. That's right. Time to talk about my boy Nikola Jokic, MVP. MVP. The guy just, if there was ever a player that watched all of my highlights and just put them to use in the NBA, it's Nikola Jokic. I highly doubt that. But the uncanny ability to read the floor, to just set people up on offense, it's just. Is he, is he the best passing big man in the league right now? I think of all time. All time. Holy crap. We're going all Listen time. Listen to this stat. Yeah, I, I saw a stat today that he has averaged that he has had fifteen or more assists three times in the NBA. Wow! Like in his career, jeez, no other center has ever done that. That's actually pretty pretty incredible. That I mean, is mind blowing. The amount of centers that have played, and the amount of like kick ass centers, Bill Russell, Chamberlain, like big time dudes, like. A Kareem, like, no dude has ever had 15-plus assists three times in his career. That's nuts. I mean, I mean, right now he's averaging, what, like 17, 10, and maybe 8 a game. Do you think, like, you know, I know I'm kind of jokingly, like, just chanting MVP. Do you think he has a legit shot at, uh, at being an MVP? I think it really depends on where they end up. But, yeah. I mean – you, you see that Denver, it, they live and die with him. I honestly kind of disagree with you on that. I mean, they have six players that are averaging double figures right now. Two of them, they have two other players that are averaging nine a game, so close to double figures. That means you have about eight players that are averaging nine points or better on your team. I feel like they – I mean – he is a huge part of it, and I'm sure the way that he passes is giving guys easy buckets. But they're pretty much like a well-oiled machine. They, they're, they're getting contributions from all over the place. No, that's very, that's very true. I mean, they do have one of the deepest teams in the league. But, I, I mean, I guess all I'm saying is when you watch them, you really see how many times he touches the ball. Yeah. And all the, even like, like silly things as like a dribble handoff. Like, it starts the offense. They do that high post, like, dribble handoff, and before you know it, Jamal Murray's at the rim because he broke the dude off. He broke him down off the dribble. Yeah. They really are fun to watch, but, like, do you think that they're a legitimate championship contender? See, that's where I'm like, I don't know. I just – I don't see anybody beating the Warriors. Yeah. I'm being very, very honest with you. I don't see anybody beating the Warriors. I'd like them to, and I'd love for Denver to do it. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. 
I, I think what's interesting, though, is Denver, they still have not gotten Will Barton back. True. They're still waiting on Michael Porter Jr. Yep. Which, still, can you imagine once if he actually pans out to be the, the, the kind of player that people were talking him up to be? And they're still waiting on, on Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Those they're, are three dudes that could, I mean, at minimum come off the bench and put 10 in a game. Yeah, I mean, they're crazy deep. Um, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I do think that they have a legit shot of, uh, you know, kind of dethroning the Warriors here. I think it's, they'll be their top three at the end of the year. Yeah. Like top three or four. I could see that. I think this team definitely has a, a run in them, something special that I think other teams have to watch out for because having a team that, that that's that deep goes a long way when you're grinding out playoff games. Oh, yeah. You know, especially with players getting into foul trouble, they can pretty much plug in uh, play with a bunch of different players. One interesting stat I would like to bring up, though, is about my boy Jokic. Um, last year, he had a career year from three. He shot 39, almost 40% if you round up from three. Pretty impressive for a big. He's shooting 31% this year. Okay. So his two previous years, he was at 33, actually at 33 in both years. So I wonder if last year at 40% was just a hot season and he regressed back to his career average of 31 to 32% from three, or if he finds his shot, I mean, watch out if he starts shooting 40% from three and doing everything else he's already doing. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's getting his numbers to up to there, it'll definitely bring up his point total, and I think it'll definitely uh, kind of put him more in the consideration for the MVP. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got anything else with Denver? I said we keep it mo- moving. All right, let's kick it up to the top three in uh, the power rankings right now, and uh, we're moving into Oklahoma Thunder territory here. They're mm-hmm. off 14-7 and seven right now. We should uh, make a quick shout-out to our uh, number one Oklahoma City Thunder fan uh, listener. I'll let you do the honors. All right. Well, shout-out to uh, my girlfriend, Shivani, who is a huge Oklahoma Thunder fan. Hates Kevin Durant. Only but, uh, Thunder fan I know. That's why I had to say that. I never <laughs> actually knew anyone else who likes the Thunder. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think she might be the only one that's in the, the stadium when they have games. <laughs> I actually asked her once if they ever had, like, a celebrity, like, go to the game, and she's like, yeah, I don't think so. Oh. In, I want to go. I wonder what happens in Oklahoma City. I don't know. Is it a cool city? Is there stuff to do? Is there stuff going on? I'd like – I mean, Westbrook's there. Paul, Paul George chose that over L.A. I mean, it's got to be, like, somewhat cool. Must be nice then, right, if Paul George is choosing that over L.A. I don't know. I think he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> – I mean, l- let's focus on basketball here for a little bit. I mean, right now he's definitely – Paul George is definitely proven to be worth the money because with, you know, with Russ being sidelined for a little bit, uh, him and Dennis Schroeder have definitely played well together and uh, they're kind of keeping this team afloat uh, while waiting on Russ. I think this is one of the deepest teams that we've seen um, from from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean – probably since their their trip to the finals. I agree. I mean, having all, you know, you, you still have Steven Adams there, who's just a beast. 
Yeah. And then you got Noel too. New Orleans Noel who can uh, you know come off the bench and give you good defensive minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't – just the one thing that I really don't like about this team is their coach. Oh, you're not a fan of Donovan. Not a fan of Billy Donovan. Didn't like him when he was the coach at Florida. And I definitely don't like him now. Um, but, I mean, he has his team playing well. So, I guess you could keep your job for now. Wait, so I'm curious. Why the, uh, why the, uh, the Billy Donovan hate? Uh, I guess what, when it came with uh, – it started with Florida – I think he got a lot of credit um, for how Florida won, even though they had a you know a stacked team with uh, True. A, a bunch of good players. And yeah. then just the way that he came into Oklahoma City, like he was you know given you know the reins to this team, and like they didn't really improve that much. They were, he he wasn't really an upgrade over uh, Scott Brooks. I thought I think. Uh huh. And uh, just the way he left Florida, too, he kind of left Florida to, and uh, he was supposed to become the coach. I believe he was supposed to coach the Bulls and, oh, uh, and then told them that – I think it was either the Bulls or there was some other team, but then, then kind of back – oh, it was or, Orlando. It was the Orlando Magic. He kind of backed out of that last second, and, uh, and now he's uh, coaching the Thunder. So kind of some shady stuff going on. But smart move. Oh, some, oh, definitely. <laughs> I'd rather coach the Thunder than the fucking Magic. For sure. Um, but I, I do a lot like this roster. I mean, I like Terrence Ferguson. I like Kamadou Diallo. Like, they have a couple, like, young dudes that are coming in and putting, and they're giving them good minutes. For I, sure. I think a big thing will come in January when they get Roberson back. That is yeah. be a very interesting thing because, I mean, well, for one, he hasn't played in like over a year. Yep. And, but he, at his peak, he's a lockdown defender. Lockdown defender that shoots air balls at the free throw line. Yeah. So that's what I was just going to say. If this injury has any leftover whatever, and has maybe if he's lost a step, I know he's only 27, but injuries mess with dudes and if he's lost a step and he's not his lockdown defender i don't know if you could play him yeah definitely not offensively like it's kind of weird that you that in the nba usually when you're subbing out like uh offensive liability it's normally like a big guy right yeah. you don't really see that with guards and like in the playoffs they would have they had to sub him out offensively because anytime he touched the ball the teams would foul him because he can't shoot free throws you know, yeah. he can't shoot anything outside. I mean, he he would hit his occasional lucky, you know, three, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's – yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how that was. But if you think – well, last year, from the beginning of the year, they had, I think, one of the top one or two ranked defenses when Roberson, George, Westbrook, when they all played. Oh, so the potential's there. I just curious to see how it, it translates this year, a post injury, and with all the other dudes they have now. I I agree. I, I do think that he's just a stud defensively, and he's he's a guy that when you are playing, you know, a team like Golden State, he can definitely lock down, you know, like a, like a Clay Thompson or a Steph Curry. I don't think anyone could you know lock down Kevin Durant, so I'm not even going to put him in there. Yeah. But his his offensive game is just putrid, man. Like it, it's so bad. I, I'm not even sure. Like he shoots, what he's averaging like 
4.6 points a game for his career. Oof. And, I mean, he's getting a lot of minutes, too. He shoots uh, – this is pretty – he shoots 25% from three-point. So, he's not, he's not even a 3-and-D guy, you know, like – Just the D. Yeah, just uh, – just the D, just the D. <laughs> you got anything else you want to touch on with Oklahoma? Uh, I hope Westbrook comes back. I like how they're kind of playing. He's not so ball dominant, so I think that's going to help them come for playoff time when everyone has always just kind of stared at him and waited yeah. for him to either shoot or pass them the ball. So I think having other pe- people move around and run the offense will help. Um, I just – I don't know. I'm curious. I'm sure he'll come back full strength, but we'll see. Yeah, I definitely think going forward this year, I think a big key for them is uh, going to be Dennis Schroeder yeah. and how he could be that third guy on the team. I agree. All right, here we go. Number two, who would have thought? I mean, we talked about him last pod, but the Los Angeles Clippers. Cannot believe it. Doc Rivers still going strong. You know what? I I just I don't care about this team in the slightest. Yeah. You know what they are? They what? are the 60-win Hawks team with Budenholzer, with Horford and Millsap and Korver that got smoked in the first round of the playoffs. I agree. They're a team that I, I think are, it might have a good record in the regular season, but once the postseason comes up, like – you know, when when in a five game or a seven game series, like I think they're going to be knocked out pretty quickly. Like right, in, if it just if the season ended today, it'd be the Clippers versus Mavs in the first round, <clears throat> and I think that's way closer than a two seven matchup should be. Oh, I completely agree, and and I, and I like that comparison of them being like the Hawks because every time the, you know you would do the same thing. When you looked at the Hawks matchups in the playoffs, you, they'd always be a high seed, but like they would always struggle against, you know, the seven or eight seed that they were playing against. Yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. I don't want to get too far into the Clippers. I don't know if you have anything else for them. I do just want to give a shout out to uh, Mr. Strong Island himself, uh, to Bias Harris. Still doing his thing, dude. He's shooting forty-two percent from three. Averaging 21 points a game, 8.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists. Dude, you know what, man? Get that money, Tobias. Get that money, dude. Get and that money. They're going to have a lot to spend this offseason, too, so we'll see how creative they can get. Let's hang out in Montauk this summer, Tobias. Hit me up. Sloppy tuna. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's kick it to the number one team, and who would have thought it's the Golden State Warriors? I do have, like, an interesting thing here. Uh, it's something that, you know, just looking through their roster and some of the stats, uh-huh. Dray- Draymond Green is only averaging seven points a game this year. That, that's funny because he's actually the guy that I was going to talk about too. So go with what you were going to say. I just think that it's a year where, yeah, he's still doing the other things, but I kind of see you're kind of seeing what you know he the kind of player that he really is. I I can't see a team that is gonna make this guy, you know, gonna give him like a max contract. 
in the slide. I can't see it. Like you, you better not. If you're a team, if you're a GM, that's one of the worst mistakes that you can make. But and and we discussed this before. If it's Draymond or Kevin Durant, like pack your bags, Draymond. Yeah, like literally, pack them. Like pack them now. I have a legitimate question to ask you about Draymond Green. Sure. Did he forget how to shoot? Uh, I don't think you know what. I don't think he ever knew how to shoot. He was just so wide open that like it was very hard for him to miss. But what's weird is so the best because like let's think back to like when he 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 came on the scene. He came up because David Lee got hurt in that first uh, in that off season. So they started Draymond and they went on that tear the first year with Kerr. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, we got got this six seven six eight dude who can body seven footers and then step out and hit the three, run the floor, do all this other stuff, right? The, yep. or, the original dude, right? Small ball, depth lineup, la la la. In fifteen sixteen, which was wasn't that the year they lost to the Cavs? Yep. He shot thirty eight percent from three. Thirty eight point eight, actually. So thirty nine percent from three, right? Pretty bad, yeah. No, from three, that's pretty good. Thirty nine percent. That's that's well above average, I think. All right, I, I don't. Okay, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. With your point. As a center, but the following three seasons, he shot thirty one percent, then thirty percent. This year, he's shooting twenty two percent from three. And yeah, that... the past three years are the years that he's played with Steph, Clay, and Durant. So he's just getting open looks. I don't know. I did he forget how to shoot? You know, I'm actually thinking about this now. So, do you think so? Since it was just Clay and Steph and him those, that year where he was shooting well, yeah, from three, maybe adding Durant there kind of minimized some of those. Or I'm sorry, gave him more opportunities because he was so wide open to shoot those threes that maybe the numbers are just more now you're actually seeing the real Draymond Green. Does, uh, that, does that make sense how I'm explaining it? It makes sense, except I'm going to re- read to you his averages. Okay. His okay. At this height of 39%, he was shooting 3.2 threes a game. Okay. The following year, he was shooting 3.5, and he fell to 31%. Last year, he was shooting 3.7. He fell to 30%. This year, he's shooting two threes a game at 22%. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're just seeing the real Draymond, to be honest. Okay. I can see that. I mean, uh, dudes get hot. Yeah. I mean, he, he never had a shot. He never had a shot. Like, he was open. He hit some open threes. Everyone kind of gave him credit for that. He he's a, a good defensive player. He gets rebounds. He can pass the ball. I just don't think that he's worth the money. One of the best gifts I've ever seen was um, a clip of Draymond sh- shooting a three, and it said Draymond Green shoots like he's wearing a backpack. <laughs> it's and true. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And if there's any listeners out there, please look it up. You will n- never look at him the same again. It's incredible. It's so good. But, I mean, he's shooting his threes this year 
like Markel Fultz is uh, shooting his free throws. Ooh, keeping it relevant on the pod with a Markel Fultz one. Nice. Just that double jab at the rim, like just a horrible shot. I want him to do the, like, the hot potato and then sh- shoot a three. Might be shooting better if he does. <laughs> but a quick thing before we, we wrap this uh, this up here. Um, with the Warriors, what kind of an impact do you think DeMarcus Cousins has when he actually joins this team? See, that I think is going to be very interesting. Because if you look at their style of play, they what they'll do a lot is they'll like they'll dump it to the guy in the post, like he'll be high out like the top of the key or on one of the elbows. And they'll dump to the post, but it's not like they dump to the post and he starts like working the guy. They survey the floor from the post and they'll hit shooters for threes and cutters and whatnot. Yeah. A cousin's whole career has been around dump to the post, I'm going to work. Yeah. And that's not how they play. I don't know how it translates with Cousins. I actually think it gives them a dimension that they never had, which may, uh, you know, it kind of sucks to say for as an NBA fan because you kind of want to see other teams, you know, kind of win and, you know, be successful. But I think adding DeMarcus that level, you know, his post moves and the way that he can score around the rim, I think it just brings them to like just a whole new level, to be honest. I could see that. What I'm shooting for, I'm really ho- hoping for we, we get the DeMarcus C- Cousins we all know and love. The one who's going to come in, who's going to realize he's only there for a year, who's going to realize that he wants big money, and he's going to bring the ball up the floor to try and, and, and you know, out-dribble the team and chuck up some contested shot. I, I, I don't see it, man. I, 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 I've always loved DeMarcus's game. And, like, the dude, he's a passionate dude. Like, obviously, he was on Sacramento. He ran his mouth a lot because yep. the team sucked. Like, he, he wasn't running his mouth because, you know, on a good team. He was running his mouth on a bad team. He wanted True. to win, obviously. True. He went to the Pelicans. I mean, honestly, I didn't think that him and uh, Anthony Davis would be able to play well together, but they sure did. Like, they were both kicking ass. I mean, the team maybe wasn't winning a lot of games, but they, they seemed to play well together. Uh, like I said, I think he wants to come in here. He wants to get his ring, but then he also wants to get his contract too. So I think he's going to do whatever it takes to win. It's going to be interesting. For sure. What do you think, man, wrapping this up? I think it's time to wrap up. We, we, we've been going extra long. We totally forgot about our three-minute shot clock. Yeah, that shot clock buzzer was going off and off and off, and we just kept going. <laughs> But yeah, man, that, that kind of concludes the, you know, the Western Conference, you know, uh, shot clock there. Okay, did you hear that? What's that? Heat uh-huh. <laughs> No, nah, I'm not sure I, if I heard that. I guess it's just coming up now. It's coming in faint. I don't know. It, it, it's, wait, hold on. It might be coming again. Heat <laughs> You sound like an opera singer. All right, let's get into Heat Check. You want to go first? What do you got? Heat Check is the game that is actually currently going on as we are doing this, which I am anxious to watch. The 76ers versus the Raptors. I think this has a legit shot at being a sneak preview into the Eastern Conference Finals. What's the score? I have no idea. 
All right. Seems like you've been paying a lot of attention. Listen, man, I'm focused on the pod. I don't know where your head's at. I agree, though. I think that that has a really good, especially with Boston not playing up to you know what we thought they were going to. Yep. And uh, you know, getting Jimmy Butler. Toronto is just playing great basketball right now with Kawhi Leonard. Yep. It definitely has the makings for that. Yeah, I'm uh, very curious to see see that she got big mouth and bead and and Butler versus the mute of Kawhi. So it should be interesting. <laughs> the mute Kawhi. All right, for my heat check, it's something that actually uh, happened today. Uh, ESPN's reporting that Derek Fisher is going to become the head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks in the WNBA. And also, from what I'm hearing from ESPN, is that Matt Barnes' wife, as well as Tim Hardaway Jr.'s girlfriend, are a part of the Sparks team. (laughs) Oh, man. Some of the best shit with Derek Fisher. Unbelievable. Dude's got himself into a lot of trouble, which is pretty funny. I mean, and he's got five rings. You don't need any of this trouble. You don't need any of this, dude. Who needs the drama? I'm not even sure. Like he, he was definitely not qualified for the next job. No chance in hell. But uh, I think he's less qualified for the WNBA now. It should be interesting. I mean, we'll never hear from him again, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you please get in off of the NBA TV broadcast, please? Like, that was horrendous. Yeah. Thank God I don't have cable anymore. I don't, I don't get to watch those. Oof. Get cable, man. The Starters is actually a pretty good show. NBA live stream Reddit. What? Any Dang, game? Man. Giving out all the secrets, huh? That's it. This is for the listeners. This is what I do. If people helping people. People helping people. Helping people help people. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into our posters, our dunks of the, of the week, and uh, let's get the hell out of here. Your boy's tired. I'm in. All right, man. What do you got? So my dunk of the week, of the week is – actually, I don't know. They, they had to dust him off to run this fast break, but Malik Monk throwing an alley-oop off the glass to Miles My- Bridges. Let's hear it. Let's take a listen. Oh, man. Oof. Dude, Miles Bridges has had, like, at least 10 huge dunks this year. It's, it's wild. I had no idea he was that kind of above-the-rim player coming out yeah. of college. Neither did I. Everyone always said that, that they wanted the other dude is on Phoenix. Um, yeah, Mikael Bridges, right? Yep. All right, well, that turned quickly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go and jump into the Knicks versus the Bucks and our boy Super Mario Herzanga. Yeah. Who got the dunk and then stepped over Giannis, giving him a little Dwayne Wade on Anderson Vergeau treatment. Ooh. Let's take a listen. Zonia picks off the bad pass. Zonia drives it. Middleton finishes. Giannis tried to. Block it from behind, but couldn't. Dude. <sighs> Sick dunk, but I'm sorry. What are you doing, Mario? Come on. What, stepping over Giannis? Yeah. I love that, man. I mean, a dunk like that, Giannis is on the ground. Like, what else are you going to do? You're going to walk around him? No way. You're stepping right over him. 
See, I mean, yeah, I guess like in the moment, I would have done the same too. I would have given him to Sean Kemp and just pointed at him. And I completely agree with Giannis what he said after the game. That is like, if I, if that ever happens again, I'm punching the guy in the nuts. The best, because that's what I would do too. Like, there's no way you're stepping over me like that and thinking that you're going to get away with it. Yeah, you're getting a low blow. Just a couple of nut punches. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> in the middle of an NBA game, and Giannis just fucking cocks back and dick punches him. Oh, that'd be the best. Duh. All right, with that, I think that's a good way to end this show. Just a couple of dick punches. <laughs> All right, man, you got anything else before we get out of here? But thanks for listening. I know this was a long one, everybody. We appreciate you sticking it all the way through. Yeah, man. Episode six is done. Just wait for uh, the Eastern Conference uh, report next next episode. All right. Let's cue the music. We out. Mm-hmm.